Boy, is it shit show time. Did you think that modern convenience was worth it? No, it might kill you. <laughs> this one's for all the uh, brave little toaster fans out there. And sort of a spiritual follow-up to our haunted furniture episode. It's killer appliances. And when I was assembling this category, I thought you I were was... fucking high! <laughs> God, I hate you so much, Lagan. Our friendship okay, is okay. damaged. So, uh, what I thought we were going to get was, like, a lot of, like, anti-technology, oh, look how your technology can kill you sort of stuff. I did not expect what we got. And to, to be fair, for one of them, uh, you knew how bad Billy the Kid was. I did not know how bad Microwave Massacre is. Billy the Kid is, is masterful compared to Microwave Massacre. <laughs> yeah, no, and Christian likes, likes Billy the Kid. That's the difference. Also, I just want to clarify this point. I genuinely thought up until a few moments ago when you said killer appliances, I actually thought that the genre we were doing was haunted appliances. So Microwave Massacre left me very confused. It was almost a haunted appliance. They could have done that, but they fucking didn't. It was like midlife crisis of of angry middle-aged dude. And I wasn't even that angry. It was just like, yeah, mid- Midlife Crisis of Middle-Aged Dude, the movie. He wasn't even that middle-aged either. Yeah. Should we just tackle this one first and get it out of the way? Whatever you think. Whatever you think. All right. Who wants to Who wants to introduce it? Nobody ever. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Microwave Massacre is, imagine the most unfunny older man you can think of, and imagine you let him make a movie. That's what Microwave Massacre is. It's like, I, I think... This one, I, we can argue about it. I think it was even worse than Blood Freak because this one was yeah. trying to be funny at every step and, like, all the jokes fell flat for me. I don't think there was a single thing he said that made me... I'm trying to think, was there anything I laughed at in the movie? And I'm sure there was something I laughed at, but it was all dysfunctional. Like, it wasn't, like, what the movie wanted me to yeah. laugh at. And it's about, like a like, a guy and he has a shrill wife who is doing her best to make gourmet cooking, but, like, obviously she's written, like, a joke, henpecky wife, and he he, he he doesn't like the food, she packs him for his lunch, and it, it's all, like, what a person who doesn't like food's idea of gourmet food is circa 1970, and it's all, like, ridiculous things, like whole crabs and stuff, and he's just, I just want some American, normal, Christian, God-fearing... Food! Bologna sandwiches! Yeah. It's like somebody who's never eaten Healthy's idea of health food. Yeah, and so he goes nuts, and he kills her, and then through a comedy of errors, comedy used lightly, he winds up microwaving her hand in the giant microwave they have at house, and he eats it, and he discovers he has a taste for cannibalism. And later on, because his shrill wife is gone, young women start throwing themselves at him through in various ways. And he starts, like, having sex with them, raping them, and eating them. And it's all played for laughs that never arrive. <laughs> and I just, I, I found it unbearable. <laughs> yeah, This is one of the most troubling films I've ever seen. Yeah, there's, 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 as Mike said, you're waiting for the laughs that don't arrive. Our main character has zero charisma. He's not interesting. There's nothing to his performance that's memorable. He's kind of like a cheap... Ernest Borgnine and that's saying a lot because Ernest Borgnine was the Biba grade and then some of the visual gags like the big plastic crab in the huge oversized sandwich was just bizarre it it, it almost oh felt God. like uh, a foreign director's idea of visual humor and, and then this movie was made in 1979 
and I suppose it's still the 70s, but it's got a real late 60s, early 70s, stocky, uh, sleazy, exploitation-type funk to it. Here's what it reminded me of. If you had a sitcom from the 80s, let's say, maybe even the 90s, and in it there was an old man character who wanted to make a movie and somebody believed in him and gave him the money and then he made the movie and the movie was dreadful. This is the joke movie you would show on the screen in the background (laughs) while the main characters were like, oh God, I just flushed all my money down the toilet. It'd be, you Mm -hmm. know, like the episode of Futurama where Zoidberg's uncle makes a film. It was that kind of level of like, oh Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe it exists. And Maybe for that reason, I don't know, there's some people who would probably enjoy this because it's so bizarre and ill-conceived. The fact that it exists in of itself is quite interesting. You know, like, it's well shot. It's It, it looks pretty good. It's well shot. Mm. For what it is, like, it's not... It looks like a movie. Yeah, compared to Billy the okay. Kid. Breakaway Massacre, it's a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's all you can say about it. But, like, compared to Billy the Kid, which was shot nearly 20 years later, this thing looks sharp. The production is, you know, like TV movie standard. And and that makes it even more bizarre because you'd expect a movie like this to be like this terrible, grainy grindhouse. There's no copies of it anymore apart from some terrible VHS. Certainly it looks like it should have had the same production value as a Blood Freak where you can't hear anybody and everything is too dark. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, but everything was filmed competently. And Christian, you said the guy was like Ernest Borgnine. I'm not, I don't think I know enough Ernest Borgnine. To me, he looked like a pound shop version of Rodney Dangerfield. Bit like that mm. as well, yeah. This guy is Jackie Vernon, the voice of Frosty the Snowman. Oh, God. <sighs> I was going to say that. That's creepy. It's so my so childhood, strange. man. Creepy. It's like the most wholesome shit ever. And he's just like a rapist in this. <laughs> well, I mean, it was all consensual, I think. Like he was picking up women mostly um, prostitutes so yeah i know but i thought there was a part where he was like making fun of oh he picked up the prostitute and then the prostitute made fun of him and then he was like i'll show you and then oh, he like oh yeah there was that part and then he like rape strangled her to death and it was like oh is this supposed to be funny ah uh, gross it's like a 70s movie made with like 50s objectifying sensibilities I I don't even know about that because like in the 70s you know there was a lot of real sleazy exploitation there was no shortage of sleaze in the 70s that's for sure there's so many things that are bizarre and and hard to reconcile about this I knew we were in for a rough ride when the film started and it was just close-ups of that lady's boobs walking along it was like she was wearing clothes that was the best part of the movie that was the best part of the movie (laughs) And you're waiting to discover who is this lady? Why is she here? Why are we following just a close-up of her boobs as she's walking along? And then it was just she walks to the construction site where Jackie Vernon's character works. And then it's, I don't know, it's real rapey. Like a guy comes up behind her who doesn't, she doesn't interact with. But then all of a sudden, like, she like pokes her head in to look at the construction site. And then the guy... Has, starts having sex with her from behind, and you see her boobs coming through the hole in the fence of the construction site. The boob-shaped hole that they cut in the fence. Yeah, yeah and that's mm-hmm. like the joke. It's like a visual joke is that you can see her boobs through the hole, and you're like, oh boy. And then I think she is in it later, but she never matters. She's not a named character. She is, she is in it later because th- that scene you're speaking about, the kind of real scuzzy 
moustached looking guy starts running towards the exposed part of her. Boobies, oh boy! With his tongue sticking mm-hmm. out. To be fair, I'd do the same thing. Later on, he winds up kind of dating her in the movie or something. Yeah, she like just wanders into the construction site like, hey, look at that muscly guy. Hook me up with him. I would argue the best part of the movie, this is the only positive part of the movie, was the gay dude that's just like lifting an eye beam or whatever. It's not like, oh, Gay people are all like flamboyant or whatever, which is like the what the 50s or 70s or whatever sensibilities of this movie would have me believe they would portray a gay person as. Yeah, I think he was more the other stereotype. The, the I mean, yes, but the muscle, I think he was more the muscle daddy stereotype where he's like super muscly. And they did the thing which you see a lot in media where he... Uh, was kind of acting like grossed out by the lady and gay people being yeah. grossed out by ladies I think is like another like this is what I um, a guy who doesn't actually talk to gay people thinks gay people say you know yeah yeah for yeah. sure it came across as that a, a very a, a sensibility that even for 1979 felt I know it's still 1979, but it nearly felt, as I said, almost a decade out a decade of date. A decade out of date, yeah. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're just about to touch on 1980. Can I ask a question, or did we cover it? Um, Lagan, how did you come across this movie? So I was just, like, combing through things to make an appliance okay. category. Okay. And I just saw Microwave Massacre. And I, I should have looked more because, like, I think the Wikipedia, there's some entry that's like, you know, it's not actually about microwaves. Like, I, I, I assumed it was going to be like microwaves mutating people or, or something like that. But no. Yeah, even if it was about a psycho killer that was using the microwave a lot, that would have been better than what we got. I mean, you know? he, he, he was to cook people after he killed them, but it was really more of an oven. Mm. Yeah, like what what difference would have it have made to the film if he had been using an oven? There was nothing intrinsic to the microwave. Oh, it's how he died. Oh, there was a guy called Richard Schaefer or Bill Schaefer, I can't remember which, and he was a crazy guy who thought his welder started talking to him and he started uh, making up stories about crazy underground people. So that would have been the cool version if the guy's microwave started talking to him and was like, feed me. Mm. Uh, that would have been acceptable, you know? Do your welders not talk to you? Not since I started wearing this tinfoil hat. Oh, good. Okay. I, I think perhaps uh, it was just a marketing ploy because um, Microwave Massacre does nice alliteration there. and Yeah. Um, you know, and microwaves were still relatively new. Here's my theory about this, right? So right. the first microwave, the first commercial microwave was made in uh, 1947. Oh, right. Okay. So the people that made this movie started making movies in the late 50s. So I think that the people that were involved in making this movie didn't really understand how microwaves work. But in the 60s and 70s, there was a real push towards uh, convenience cooking, which involved a microwave in America, for sure, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely that. Microwaves had hit the home by then, but I think the people that were involved in making this movie grew up when microwaves weren't a thing, Mm. so they were confused and scared of new technology that was in their homes. That would maybe tie in to the fact that, like, maybe the wife trying to make healthy food was also part of the changing landscape of the Mm, time. Yeah. But, like, and and it was like, oh, she's got a microwave, she's making healthy food, the world's gone bananas. Dinners and how weird they are. Yeah, but like everything with this film, 
there was nothing meaningful done with that. Like mm-hmm. I said, if it was like a film about how they find microwaves scary, you could totally have done a film in the 60s or 70s how microwaved food was causing people to mutate and worship microwaves or something. But no, we got none of that. We just got like, man is afraid of his wife who wants to make him healthy food, kills her, and then goes on a sleazy binge of being mean to ladies and eating the red meat, the all-American red meat that they are made from. It's fucking stupid. I fucking hate this. The movie you were describing, Michael, sounds a little bit like the stuff about everybody eating healthy yogurt and then, you know, stuff happens. Oh, yeah, the stuff. I'm describing the stuff, except, yeah, it's about a microwave. About a microwave, yeah. And the stuff is a a great movie. Why didn't we watch that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have to do a food one next. The humor in this is so bizarre. I know we want to be done with this, but I think we're getting there. (laughs) Ping! Done. There, there's two different types of humor in this movie. There's the completely non sequitur stuff. Like sometimes it'll just cut to a shot of something completely unrelated to what's happening. And usually in a horror comedy, it's at least like based in the situation. You know, like with Black Sheep, there was all the stuff with the gun or the chainsaw that was just like, oh, this is what's happening. Here's some stuff that's funny about it. But like throughout the movie, there's this sexy neighbor. And every time we see her, like something kind of amusing is happening with her but he never kills her and it never leads to anything like you just see her gardening with a vibrator in one shot (laughs) (laughs) haha that's not a gardening tool and then i also counted the humor that was just like a stand-up line and i got i got just 21 just 21 inserted plain old jokes (laughs) <laughs> that were just like not not about the horror it's like this was jackie vernon's like gag reel or whatever yeah he's he's not funny yeah his eyes looked kind of droopy and it wouldn't surprise me if either he did want to make this and it, but it was just like a complete train wreck of a person and was drunk most of the time while making it or he didn't want to make it and his answer to not wanting to make it was being drunk because to me he looked like droopy and sleepy in a lot of scenes did anyone else pick up on that yeah, yeah. i think maybe he suffered from some fetal alcohol syndrome <laughs> can we talk about the only thing that induced a small bit of chocolate for me was the wife's head in the fridge oh yeah the, like yeah, that was the, the there was a recurring thing with the wife's head that could have been interesting, but they didn't do much with it. Did it no. move? Did it move around by itself? It disappeared. Like he'd put it one place, and then he'd turn around, and then look back, and the head would be gone. And like at the end of the movie, its eyes were glowing or some shit. It was definitely a yeah. haunted his yeah. wife's haunted head. But they didn't do anything. Yeah, because that that confused me further because this was the first movie I watched. And as I said, I still thought we were doing haunted appliances. So I was waiting for uh, <laughs> uh, the wife. I was saying, is the wife going to haunt the thing or what's what's happening? And I mean, there's no point asking that question watching this movie. Yeah, so like an example of a joke, just in case anyone is tempted to watch this. So there's a part where the, the wife's sister comes to visit the guy to we'll find out where his sister where her sister is and he like beats her up and puts her in a closet and it's like a joke that like it keeps she keeps like getting his coat out of the closet and the tied up beaten up sister-in-law is still in the closet and I think that's that's it like you're waiting for it to go somewhere or maybe do something else but no I think the joke is even at the end of the movie when the workers are, like, cleaning up the house, she's still in that closet. Yeah. Ugh. 
I can fire off some some jokes just so we got a sense. Here, let me get. Yeah. Please, please don't. <laughs> this is hard work. Now I remember why I gave up sex. Oh. I'm so hungry I could eat a whore. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, man. You are what you eat. I hope not. Okay. It's about the same delivery, too. Good job, Lagan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried to feel as dead inside as as possible. I would yeah. I would say mm. even better delivery than the movie. <laughs> um, can we yeah. please move on from this yes. fucking movie? Yes. <laughs> uh, this this is such a bizarre time capsule, and it's fascinating for that. But I yeah, let's move on. One thing. So while I was watching this movie, I was really confused by the size of the microwave. Yeah, it was huge. It's like an actual oven size. <laughs> you can put a whole human in it. No yeah. microwave has ever been that big. Okay. Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. Oh, and we should mention, in case you were on the edge of your seat, the way it ends is uh, he has a pacemaker, and he just drops dead at some point, and it zooms in on the microwave, and it says, uh, not recommended for use with pacemakers. Yep, that's it. That's the end of the movie. He just dies. Here's the no, thing no, that I, would, no I would suggest in relation to the size of the microwave. I think this movie was never called Microwave Massacre, and it was an insert shot with the new microwave, that it was just a guy cooking people in his oven. But microwave yeah, could be. Uh, was a better way Rose to market off the it. Tongue. Yeah, that's probably what happened. I have a question for, for us and for <laughs> people who have watched the episode where we did the, the Thanksgiving episode about the haunted poultry. You're locked in a bunker and the one film you can have to watch is Blood Freak or this film. Which, uh, is it crazy that I would choose this film? No, I just I'm Maybe just solely for the tits. <laughs> mm. You just watch mm. it with the sound down to keep you company. <laughs> yeah, mm. I guess. Yeah, because because the sound in Blood Freak was really awful. Is there a third option <laughs> where I'm dead? Death is the third option. Death. <laughs> That's always an option. You can never take that away from me. Well, then there's a third option. Then excellent. I choose that. <laughs> I I choose death. I think if you have to actually engage with the film as a film. This is worse for me than Blood Freak, I think. This is now the new bottom of my barrel. Mm. Yeah, Blood Freak was just annoying and stupid. This one was actively trying to do something. To this movie's credit, everything did happen. It wasn't just a metaphorical dream for getting over drugs. Yeah. Uh, God damn it. Like Blood Freak was. Yeah. Here's the thing. like Even as a time capsule, I think Blood Freak was maybe a more honest time capsule because they didn't have the money to do people's wardrobe and stuff. Whereas I think Micro Massacre is a time capsule of the way who the guy directed it th- thought the world worked, you know? Mm-hmm. We often counter movies like that um, yeah. in the genre where we go, the chauvinism or the sleaze is very indicative of the person who made the movie. And yeah. as we said before, What's interesting now in the post Me Too is we will never ever see those movies again. Oh, thank God! You know, movies. <laughs> no, but movies with that level of out and out uh, disrespect for women may never be made again. Well, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not to be racist or nothing, but maybe from a, like a foreign market or something. But not, I suppose, in in the Hollywood first world. But although yeah. Jason X had a huge amount of chauvinism for which was a big studio picture. Yeah, I would say Jason X though got away with it because it um, was funny. Yeah, it was funny, and like even the part, the the brilliant part where it's like we're underage and we like having, or not underage, we like having premarital sex, and then they use that as a distraction for Jason X. That I wouldn't say that was chauvinistic. That was art. 
That was canonical to the Jason franchise. No, but that's what I'm saying, is they were drawing attention to a trope in the jo- blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Can, yeah. We, can we move on to the next yeah. fantastic... We certainly can. Let's keep climbing up. Who would like to introduce the refrigerator? I'm introducing the refrigerator. My God. Brian, introduce the refrigerator. Okay, so the refrigerator is a movie about a newlywed couple that moves to, I guess, like a rent-controlled apartment in New York, and... The previous tenants got uh, murdered by a possessed refrigerator that's still there when this new couple moves in. And it's about their slow spiral into insanity and haunted appliances. This one, the appliances actually are haunted. Yeah, so this is definitely what more what I was thinking this genre would contain. is There is a appliance, it's out to get you, watch out. For what it was, I thought it was pretty well put together. Like, there were a couple different parallel plots. Um, it had all the same markings of a, pre- people moving into a haunted house, you know, where, like, they start to see things. And I thought this was surprisingly decent. We were watching a pretty messed up copy on YouTube. Or No, we weren't. No, we weren't. No, we weren't. Never mind. <laughs> it's fine. I didn't say anything. Yeah. It's cool. We were watching this completely legitimately. Yes. There's, like, four different versions of this on YouTube. Yeah. This is a surprisingly tolerable movie. Having watched it more than anybody else on this podcast, <laughs> I think I can firmly say that it was fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, as well, I want to say maybe it's because we had also watched Microwave Massacre, but this thing was like a breath of fresh air <laughs> because the um the you, you you hate the characters you're supposed to hate. You're rooting for the characters you're supposed to root for. I have technical complaints about it. Like, well, I mean, like, there's parts of it that are just made badly sound-wise. But then other things, like, I'm not sure, does it ever explain why the fridge is a gate, um, hell mouth, portal to hell thing? Um, I'm not sure you're, I cared that much, but it, it just, I was like, wait a minute, did they ever explain why the fridge was haunted? I don't no. think they do. And But then I, I actually, I wasn't bored while watching it, and I know... I might have we might have special tastes because of this goddamn podcast we do, but by the standards of the podcast we do, <laughs> it was pretty pretty tolerable. Christian, you sound like you hated it. No, it was it was fine. It was just, I suppose I didn't find it as much of a breath of fresh air. I still thought it was a bit. Uh, I don't know. It, it, look, it, it's very bland. It's fairly inoffensive. Moderately well made in parts, I suppose. It was just. Yeah, it didn't do too much for me. Can I ask what year it was made in? 1991. 91. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so these three movies are all from like... A different uh, decade. A, a couple de- decades ago compared to the Haunted Furniture, which is all like modern. Yeah, because the movie had that, that real beige look um, mm. that 90s mm-hmm. movies have. Um, yeah, I. it was fine. <laughs> it did try to do one thing, which was drastically different from most of the movie which was the whole mom subplot where like the mom tried to kill herself in front of what's the main characters eileen eileen that's right oh wow well done lagan i'm I'm looking at the imdp page okay (laughs) eileen has all these flashbacks to when she was a kid and then uh her mom comes to visit in the new apartment and they have this really sort of like touching heartwarming thing where the mom admitted to like fucking up her childhood because she tried to yeah. kill herself and has this 
horrible battle with a mental disease. Yeah, and there's this really, really touching reconciliation. Like there, there is an arc in this movie. Yeah, it was very. There's like crying and shit, which I didn't expect any of the actors or actresses in this movie to be able to do that. That was very yeah, surprising. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch I like of that. little arcs in it that are somewhat satisfying. I also found the, the repairman guy. Juan. Oh, yeah. Juan. I found Best Juan character. delightful. A- any scene he was in, he stole. He was like a, a, a gay leather daddy angel who was there to save the day. And he wasn't even gay. No, no. They he said that at that the end. Flamingo. I think that was like a twist at the end because... I don't know. Maybe I, I, I think it was clear that you were supposed to think he was gay for the entire film mm-hmm. because he was hanging out with all these other muscle dudes. And yeah, no, I and I thought that's what they were going for, because then the, the other guy, the nuclear family guy, the businessman, the wannabe businessman, he was then like getting jealous of having Juan and the other guy in the apartment while... While he was busy at work, he was like, oh, look, you're entertaining strange men. And you, the audience, were, were like, oh, it's fine that she's entertaining strange men. They're just like, you know, two gay guys. But I guess they turned out not to be gay. I totally think you're supposed to think mm. like you were being led to believe that he was gay right up until the very end of it. When Juan is introduced, the wife Eileen is like, oh, I'm going to go to an audition, be an actor in New York. And so she's like, she's running late and she's like gathering her stuff and he comes in. And he, I forget how he introduces it, but he just dances flamenco at her for minutes, for <laughs> so long. And it's, 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 it's just like the clock is ticking and he's just tapping in circles. And it's it's pretty amazing. Well, he, he is a plumber. So, you know, it goes with the territory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, most plumbers do the flamenco. Yeah. Uh, who, who, do we know who directed this? Have they done anything else? Uh, No. On the IMD page, it doesn't say who directed it. Of course it does. It's IMDb. It says everything about everything. He did some episodes of The Adventures of Pete and Pete. What? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, four episodes. Yeah, okay. So, all right. So, so I have a theory, okay? So, Steve Bateman, who is the, the character name for the male lead in this, goes on this whole crazy businessman arc. Like American Psycho, whose main character is Patrick Bateman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the novel American Psycho was written in 1991, the same year that this film was made. Was this dun, dun, film dun. inspired by American Psycho? I was definitely inspired by a few things. Definitely like an Amity horror and, uh, and a Psycho. And uh, I mean, Haunted Refrigerator ghostbusters yeah sure maybe the ghostbusters was so big in the zeitgeist at the time that they didn't actually think they needed to explain in any great depth the idea of a haunted refrigerator maybe they like jumped onto a bandwagon that didn't exist they were like oh we'll just have a haunted refrigerator like in ghostbusters the people watching will get that reference yeah because similarly in ghostbusters it was a gateway to hell refrigerator yeah. you know mm. yeah also there's a line where the guy's like i am the waffle master or something yeah he's really hung up on waffle that's ghostbusters then yeah they're... yeah so that i totally missed that at the time like a big dumbass but that that's totally it is that they were like ah people will know what we're we don't have to explain what it is haunted refrigerators in people's houses that's just a thing now except yeah. 
it like it obviously wasn't as much of a meme as they thought it was. The hell portal thing that was very Ghostbuster. The refrigerator kills random people that aren't the two the couple living there. The refrigerator wants to fuck. Yeah, so the the thing that the wife and the husband have between them is that the husband like wants to get a family started and she's hesitant because of the stuff with her mom. Ah. Uh. There's this great vision she has where there's like a a, a fetus in the fridge. And mm-hmm. she, when she closes it, all this, like, fetal goop spills out. The movie opens up with people fucking in front of the fridge. And yeah, then that's our right. main characters fuck in front of the fridge. And there's a baby in the fridge. And yeah. then the trash witch, which we haven't even mentioned. <laughs> yeah, there's a, an exposition wizard. Says something about don't succumb to his white womb or something like that. Oh, yeah, the cold white womb. That's yeah. the one. So there's definitely... This is a dirty, dirty fridge. Maybe there's some, like, Son of Satan stuff going on, but they didn't spell that out exactly. Yeah, so there's, like, this gypsy woman living in a hut in the park that kind of helps demystify it a little. They even drop the line, like, are you telling me my refrigerator is possessed? So anyway, the climax of the movie is that the witch woman and and Juan, like, come to save Eileen. Steve, he's he's dragging her to hell, and she stabs him in defense and then this other random guy just turns up out of the blue they don't introduce him at all he's just there and the fridge like activates all the other appliances so like fans and um the trash can blender uh it's very like small soldiers almost so like this random guy shows up just so that they have another person to kill chop up and then do they just like skedaddle out of there yeah they just just leave i think the witch lady gets got two right the witch lady gets got the guy gets got got, and then Juan and eileen skedaddle out of there no real resolution with the fridge other than they run they run away but that last that sequence though that was kind of fun like in a kind of grindhouse way the sequence yeah stuff coming alive and the appliances eating people that was one of my complaints about the film was that all the people that the fridge killed were kind of irrelevant other than the mother the killing the mother was 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 like tied in because i had forgotten that steve wanted to have a start a family and that's why it was good to have the lady and have this thing with her mother because then it explains why she's weird and the fridge for unknown reasons want also wants her to have a baby and then that all makes sense and then so killing the mother makes somewhat sense because she's like relevant to the plot but all the other people the fridge killed up until Killian Steve, were irrelevant, kind of. Mm. Yeah, I mean, most of this movie was irrelevant, right? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. In mature reflection, it's it's not a terrible movie. It's fine. I wish the I wish the copy I watched was better quality. It's very hard. It seems very hard to get a good watchable copy of this movie. Yeah. Um, but if you're into that kind of adding to the charm, yes, yes, a kind of a hipstery, uh, deluded. Uh, you yeah. know, I like things that look shitty in VHS. 240p? Go fuck uh, and, and, and this YouTube. thing that's startling that, yeah, I, I could watch a crisp, razor-sharp transfer of Microwave Massacre. <laughs> Great! <laughs> Somebody kept that one. Um, 
it's a happy ending because Juan and Eileen become a, a hot flamenco couple and they live happily ever after. I mean, when I saw in the titles something something as Juan the Plumber, I thought, that's interesting. There's a character called Juan the Plumber. So <laughs> I'm glad that paid off at the end, you know. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I would say that I would. Okay, but let's move. We can move on to the next one. All right. So, uh, Christian, that leaves the mangler for you, right? I, I'm going to introduce the mangler because this relates slightly to uh, something I mentioned previously. Um, back uh, when I was a younger man and there were still things called video shops where you could rent movies I was working my way through the horror section and came across The Mangler Um, and that's how I came across this movie in reality and it was one of my sort of horror-a-thons watching three or four horror movies in a day and I stuck on The Mangler and uh, I I, I like this movie. To introduce the movie the movie is directed uh, by Tobe Hooper most horror fans know who he is obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre being the obvious one, made in 1995, based on a short story by Stephen King. No surprises there. The movie is set in a small town in America. There's a old laundry with an old piece of machinery for folding sheets. A speed ironer. A speed ironer. I, I, I presume they're called that in real life. Big name in this movie. Robert England Freddy Krueger is the evil, maniacal owner of the place who doesn't care about people's safety. An older woman gets sucked into the machine and is mangled. And then the local cliched detective shows up to investigate what happened. And off goes the movie. In a long history of Stephen King stories, somebody else does his stories better than him. I I enjoyed this movie as kind of a piece of like, you know, kind of schlocky stuff. There was touches here and there where it seemed like it was it was reaching to be better but like it was kind of very messy. Mm. Lagan mentioned the exposition wizard uh, from the last <laughs> film the trash 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 witch trash witch yeah. Yeah sorry I, I stole your phrase have you not used that on the podcast yet? It's a great phrase. I don't I think I may have met it up the night we watched these films. Like you have a a somebody who's uh, proficient in the dark arts and their main role in the movie is to just go, here is the exact thing we're fighting. To be fair, there's actually an exposition wizard in the short story too. Yeah, but there's still that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that they're No, it's it's still lazy storytelling. <laughs> it's funny though, because the character of the exposition w- wizard and the character of the cliched alky druggy detective, y- you go, when I f- watched this first, I was like, how are these people friends? These two people would never be. <laughs> How are they friends? They would never be friends. But then, is it is it established that that Al key detective was married to his sister or something? It is, but vaguely, and also their neighbors, and also what was I going to say about the exposition wizard character? Is it that he lives in a swamp? There's different ways to do the exposition wizard, and it's it's only becomes a problem if you notice they're the exposition wizard, mm-hmm. and. The, the short story, the Stephen King short story, was a short story. So there's going to be a certain economy where it, they have to chop and clip and squish things together. And in the film, they didn't do a better job of explaining the exposition wizard, but they did stick in extra stuff. Like the whole Robert England cult of the mangler yeah. thing is not in the short story, but I actually think it was a... Stronger role because the, the the short story is built around a joke. And oh, the other thing I want to say: there's shots where the exposition wizard is walking around in a trench coat, like a big neck beard, and he has a beard, and some of it's on his neck, and so is the te- detective. 
And I think this film would have worked better as a period thing set in the 50s. Yeah, of course. And for whatever bizarre reason, it's like set in moderate, maybe they didn't have enough money. I don't know what, but it's not actually set in the 50s, despite everybody talking like it's in the 50s and everybody dressing like it's in the 50s. That other shite film about the ventriloquist doll like dead silence was that the name of it it's funny you mentioned mm-hmm. that because i was reminded of that because the photographer shows up to photograph the dead body and he has an old time mini camera and a fedora mm. and you're like what the fuck is going on as you said if this was in black and white um and a 50s thing it could work because the look of the piece of machinery was so incongruous with everything else. Yeah, well, and like you said, the other incongruous things, like the photographer, and the, yeah. and like there's just so many bits and pieces where it's like, guys, why didn't you just set it in the 50s? Did you not have enough money? I think that's something that happens with a lot of adaptations from short stories, is like there's gaps in logic when you're yeah. making it longer. Yeah, I, I, I do like this movie because... It's a little bit bonkers and tonally and cinematically and thematically, it's so inconsistent. Like even the yeah. things we're mentioning, it's, it goes from serious to ridiculous to what the fuck am I watching now? And, and that's one of the charms of the movie for me. Um, and also it reminded me a lot of, and I suppose this is probably an obvious thing, the other Stephen King uh, adaptation that was made into a feature, uh, Graveyard Shift. It looks a lot like that movie. Ah, here's what I'll say in defense of Graveyard Shift. It's a better movie, I would say. I like Graveyard Shift. Graveyard Shift is a better movie, and it didn't have any of that silly, uh, what what time period is this supposed to be set in? You know, Graveyard Shift took a ridiculous idea and played it deadpan serious. No, it's schlocky, but like it was, it's a very consistent movie, Graveyard Shift. It's basically the same movie. It's a cotton mill. Stephen King was obviously going through a, horrible factory phase it's a cotton mill with a horrible owner and there's a giant bat in the basement that's the movie isn't it i think more or less it's a giant bat rat yeah okay a brat a brat there's a giant brat in the basement and but it's it's all the look of the film is great everything is dirty and greasy all the time but it's basically the same movie they even did the weird thing where um you know it's suggested not suggested even in this movie that the owner is having a sexual relationship with his uh, niece oh it was very overt that might be a stephen king that's thing, a stephen though, king like... thing because that was in graveyard shift as well where the owner was getting sexual favors from certain female members of staff but um there's a line in this movie that i liked and you mentioned brian i think that or was it michael that the deck the cult of the mangler wasn't featured in the short story. That was the best part. But there's a line in the movie that I thought, that's a good line, and I hope it was in the short story, and it relates to that, where somebody says, oh... Freshen up for your Uncle Billy? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Gross. (laughs) But somebody says, um, you know, the old people used to say around here, don't trust anybody who's missing part of their body. Because there's a piece of them in the machine and a piece of the machine in them. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't in the short story. Yeah, that was made up for the film. I just thought that was a good line, and I said I hope that's in the short story, but obviously it wasn't. No, and I'll explain why I, it, it's it's bananas, right? Because a film about the cult of the mangler, great. Um, a film about uh, the, I don't know was did this come across in the film? It makes more sense if you read the short story. But the whole basis of the short story is just that randomly. The ingredients for summoning a demon and and putting it into a thing all fall into the mangler 
and on the same date, like the 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 hand of glory, a lady called Glory, and her pills, which have whatever the night bane, night shadow, whatever. Belladonna. Belladonna. Belladonna and the hand of a lady called Glory and the blood of a virgin all happen to fall into the mangler on the same day. And so a scary ass spooky demon possesses the mangler. And that's the that's the guts of the short story is that like the guy has to, you know, like they go and try the exposition wizard and the cop go to try and exercise it. Have you considered the possibility that the machine may be haunted? That is an actual line from the short story. A bunch of lines in this movie were actually taken from the short story word for word. That idea, which is bonkers and nuts and kind of tacky, does not line up with the idea of there being a cult of the mangler. Yeah, it's weird that they still included it. No, it doesn't. It's incongruous. But another thing that I had kind of forgotten about, and another thing that's bananas, for about 15 minutes, this movie turns into a haunted refrigerator movie. Yep, yep. Brief detour. The opening sequence has the ingredients going in the machine, and I thought that was really great and visceral, especially when the old lady gets mangled. But in that chaos, the blood of the of the virgin gets on a refrigerator that was passing by. And so the same demonic entity also just slides over to the the fridge, just like, oh, I'm I'm in both now. And so later in the movie, it starts sapping life force from the neighborhood. Um, and the tragic part is that like a, a boy gets trapped in it and killed along with a bunch of doves. And so the policeman and the exposition wizard happen to show up. They they, they, ha- they have like a practice round for their exorcism <laughs> yeah. on the fridge, yeah. including like a big sky vortex beam of the entity leaving the fridge. A la Ghostbusters. Yeah, a really cool Ghostbusters-esque visual effect. Yeah. Uh, and some of the things in this movie, this movie was made in 1995. This movie could just have easily been made in 1985. Yes. Yeah. The way it looked, and even like because it was 95, like even the sheriff is driving a big like 80s American mobile. And there's parts of the movie that look very 80s. Yeah, like this is even like an icebox rather than like a fridge. Here's the thing, and this is the 1950s. Yes, yeah. Like it's only called an icebox and looks like an icebox because I think it was called an icebox in the short story. Mm-hmm. And the short story, I think, had way more of a feel of like, oh, this is just set in the 50s. The part that I left out was that the exorcism as actually performed, Mark, the exposition minister, gets his hand caught in the demon fridge. And so the detective comes to save him by hammering the demon out yeah, yeah. He of just the hits fridge. It. He just hits the fridge a yep. whole bunch. All that stuff happened in the short story. Was yeah. this haunted fridge in the short story? Yes. There's a character in this who actually appears in the film, but it then is bizarrely not much of a player in the thing. Is the So Stephen King is trying to ease you into the idea of haunted appliances or possessed by appliances being like not that silly that they're actually it, like it's a thing that happens. When they do the inspection, there's a part in the film where they like do an inspection of the mangler. There's this ridiculous dressed guy who's wearing like a, wa- a like a like a woolen waist jacket like Mr. Rogers and a big pair of 1950s glasses. And he is in the short story. He's like the, the, the inspector and he talks to the cops 
and he he's talking about how oh we ran everything we ran we did everything we could on the mangler and everything was working perfectly but i gotta tell you i got a nasty feeling about that mangler it reminded me of and then he breaks into a story about like a haunted refrigerator from a couple of years ago wow. how there was a refrigerator that like killed a little boy and then after it was taken to the dump it killed a bunch of birds when they when they brought it to the dump they opened it up and the kid that was missing was in it then afterwards that that's the thing is that it also killed a bunch of random birds and so that mm-hmm. is the inspector guy saying see haunted appliances that are evil isn't that weird person reading this Stephen King short story and that's fine but it like happens off ca- like it happens at some unknown point before the events of the mangler thing you know yeah it's like the short story had two exposition wizards in it yes <laughs> two exposition wizards this movie is bonkers which is kind of why i like it the ending is the most bonkers and i loved it so much oh my god any lovecraftian stuff i'm in well the fact that his niece that he's having sex with starts to mutate into him um which relates to the cult of the mangler it mutates it sorry when you said him the yeah the niece at the end of the film the niece is start has started to mutate into robert england and i don't think we've mentioned what you mean by that robert england in this is wearing a pair of polio braces he's wearing like a pinstripe suit yes. and he has a cigar is it a, and, uh, a little glasses? cigarette hole throat hole talk box thing oh yeah he has, a, he has a cigarette he, he looks like a ridiculous character from the 50s a tracheotomy voice box yeah yeah Thank and, you. um and i think they were trying visually it's neat because they were trying to make him look like a machine and like the and and so the, and so there's a crosstalk between him and the mangler and yes at the end of the film christian mentioned that the the niece character the the virgin who bled on it who is represented as like this nice character and then that wasn't the niece though yeah th- th- we've skipped one this is the thing it happens yeah. twice robert england has a pet woman that he like supposedly took off the streets who he is treating like his niece but it's a niece he can have sex with uh-huh. and to cement her into like being part of the cult of the mangler robert england wants her to throw the niece into the machine and she's all too willing to do it and it's part of does he does he feed part of her to the machine first or is she just totally willing to do it i can't remember yeah that happened earlier that she got like part of her in the machine yeah and then it also required the sacrifice of a virgin who was turning 16 mm. yeah that, that was something that the the research portion of the mystery they found that the town had been sacrificing 16 year olds for a while because robert england had been um he had thrown his daughter into it and a couple of his fingers the f- fucking photographer so there's this ridiculous picture guy picture guy, picture guy. Is, you go into the basement of the police station and then further down is picture man <laughs> living in the boiler room it's almost like a separate film like it's two separate films picture man has been collecting clues about the cult of the mangler but for some reason it hasn't how does he die he picture man dies but i can't remember cancer picture man has old. cancer he's old he just dies of being old he tells him that he's been eaten alive from the inside presumably cancer and then old detective comes in to see him and he's been wheeled out uh, in a trolley coughing up blood. and he coughs yeah. up blood yeah so it's, it's, it, he has cancer also is old picture man cork from star trek oh no, no. crutchley no 
I think no, so. No, for no, no, okay. he's not. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Holy shit. My mind would have exploded. Man. The reason Christian was confused about that and thought it was someone else inexplicably Picture Man is an old man, but instead of getting an old man actor, they got a younger man actor and put ridiculous old man makeup on him. Mm-hmm. I thought it actually worked really well. I thought it made him look really creepy. I thought he actually like stole the show from Robert England in some parts for uh, <laughs> yeah, like, old people sheer creepiness. Makeup um, is really uncomfortable for me too, especially in the way he just like shows up and starts snapping pictures and says weird, vague things to the main character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the end of this movie, yes, right. Um, the <laughs> the mangler gets up and starts chasing <laughs> people and grows some arms. They think they have successfully exercised it, but... That was great, because I wasn't expecting that to happen, and I was like, oh, this is bonkers. The big old machine is now growing legs, and it's going to chase people down corridors, and it's Mm -hmm. got hands. So when it first got up and broke the ground and stuff, and everybody sort of fell underneath the laundry factory, I guess, I thought that they were going to fall into like this huge endless temple because there's a spiral Mm. staircase that goes down but it just goes into the sewers i thought it was going to be some sort of eldritch temple to the laundry machine gods or whatever but still it was very cool it was very cool i recently um i chewed my way through stephen king's it and i think it's a motif of his and it's it's kind of stolen from hatred craft having like spooky giant ancient looking temple places underneath and uh things whereas lovecraft they were always literally there like it was just like a an actual structure the stephen king trick which is weird because it's not in the short story but it's in other stephen king short stories is to have the crazy spooky temple underneath a thing that's not actually there when you're looking later and it's like it only like these 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 spooky spaces only exist when people like are actually know the special situations or ways to go look for them they're not like it's it's not very ever clear that they're physically there yeah it's the same it's mm-hmm. it's exactly it's it's very similar to the ending of graveyard shift but um i liked because i wasn't expecting it i liked that oh holy shit this thing is going to chase people down the corridor now I really wasn't expecting that breathing fire yeah. breathing fire and it's got and i suppose visually it was one of the weaker parts of the movie because it would be wonderful if it was stopgap animation but instead it's 90s cg and, and it, early and, 90s CG. and it looks mm-hmm. every bit of it but it's like okay whatever it, it kind of worked we almost forgot the part just before that when um when billy finally gets his comeuppance oh, so um yeah. his his ward lin su gets sucked into the mangler and she comes out as paste and he starts trying to hobble away but the mangler just like yoinks him up and we see him just Being get folded. fully folded <laughs> <laughs> Pretty great. And he, he has some great line, I think he says as well. He has a lot of great lines in this. But he says something, you know, like, um, oh, in the in the, in Hellraiser, when the guy is getting ripped apart, he goes, Jesus wept, and then he gets pulled apart. I think Robert England has a great like line like that as he gets finally, the last bit of him gets folded up. Yeah, I think he praises Satan or something. He did say Hell's Bells earlier in the movie, so yeah, something like His that. His first line. Hell's Bells. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah he, that was a good scene when he got folded. I liked the practical effects in this movie. Yeah. The gore effects were good. Yeah. yeah, it just it makes me think, we spoke earlier, if this was 
done as a black and white thing set in the 50s it could be quite an interesting thing and if you somehow figured out how to smooth over the incongruity yeah between the randomness of because that's what the short story is about it's about like d- things being randomly demon possessed through accident and the but the film is about like this cult of the manger mangler so if you found a way to tie those two things together a little bit better then and it was filmed in black and white yeah this film would have been yeah it could have it could have been quite interesting yeah. and also like setting it in the 50s you'd get away with the lack of health and safety you'd get away with the machine being terrible and dreadful and you know there's, mm-hmm. there's lots of things that you know you couldn't do that now no well mostly because the speed irons aren't the same yeah, yeah well yeah. mostly for me it was just the costumes that looked kind of ridiculous. Yeah, the girls, the girls in the laundry, and the fact that it was all girls working in the laundry, it had a distinctly retro funk. And yeah, the way they were dressed, they were dressed like maidens or something. Um, yeah, it could even be like 40s where women had to enter the workforce a lot more because, you know, war. A little bit mm-hmm. of the, the Irish laundries for fallen women, you know. Um, so, Tobe Hooper directed this, a very uneven director. Um very uneven and this movie is extremely uneven even the tone at the ending where it's got sort of nice music as the end credits roll you're like what the fuck am i watching yeah after uh, after the niece does her best robert england impression yeah the twist that's how the film ends is after they escape the mangler the mangler in escaping the girl's like no you run it wants me and she kind of it catches her in her her hand and he manages to put her out but it's like took takes a couple of her fingers so next time he sh- he shows up at the laundromat after i don't know why he goes to the laundromat to see her yeah but why would she take why would he well because they survived together yeah but why would she be at the laundromat this is the thing that now i'm just realizing oh, oh, oh why yeah. she's there yeah i have no idea good point yeah, yeah like <laughs> why enough. would the fuck would she be like oh i'll go see her now that that we've survived this thing together where do you think she could be? Is she at the laundromat where we all almost died? Probably. But anyway, he, he goes there anyway with a bunch of flowers to see that the machine is back up and running and it's in its designated spot. And the girl is doing a Robert England impersonation. Like she's got the little glasses and a cane and missing fingers. And then the guy, the cop realizes, oh, no, the girl is now head of the cult of the mangler. I best I should drive away. Yeah, let me dump these flowers in the trash can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he and he walks away, and it's a it's a, even a really weird shot to end the movie on. It it ends like an episode of a TV show. He just yeah, walks yes, out. He gets into a very modern looking jeep. Nice music starts to come in in the score, and then we get titles. It's really weird. See, I like those endings in your eldritch horror movies where it's just like the resolution is this thing is older and more powerful than anything you can do and it's always been there so fuck it and then things just keep going because things are out of your control but i like that as well it's just yeah it's just another incongruous you would have preferred different music maybe (laughs) yeah different and i don't know what i would have preferred some like benny hill the fact that this movie is kind of frustrating and elating and satisfying and very dissatisfying I don't think anybody was bored watching The Mangler. No. no. Mm. You know, it's an hour and 45 minutes. Actually, no, tell a lie. I think it's two hours and 15 minutes. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay, because I, I see hour 45. What? Or an hour 45, is it? Yep. Yeah. But still, it's compared to the other ones. The other ones, yeah. I mean, compared to 90 minutes of Microwave Massacre. Uh, yeah. Um, 
my complaints about the Mangler, I didn't like the Exposition Wizard because he was wearing a trench coat and you reminded me too much of he's he was the, he was the adult version of what that annoying kid from high school thinks he's going to grow up to be. Do you know what would have been more interesting if that character was a teenager? Yeah, that actually <laughs> would have made perfect sense if that guy. Yeah, if that character had been a teenager that was obsessed with the dark arts and the cure, that would have been fucking perfect. You yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. And the main character, the detective, could have been his stepdad. There you go. Well, his stepdad or just just hangs out with him because it's. Si- like the kid's older sister died. Why would a kid interested in dark arts hang out with a police detective? Could, you could write it though, because like the police detective sneaks in beer sometimes. But you could write anything. No, but I think I would have preferred it if he was just like an older high schooler to, with the police detective was starting off by saying, oh, fuck you, you're full of bullshit. But then at the end, he was like, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's give your dark arts bullshit a go. No, that yeah, would have worked it, way it definitely would have felt less exposition wizardy. The guy who played the detective, I, I looked him up. I forget his name. He's been in lots of things. He's a dread- yeah. he's kind of a dreadful actor, though. Like I couldn't understand half the things he was saying. <laughs> like you, Christian, I was like, oh, I don't like to make fun of people's speech impediments. But this man was literally employed to deliver lines of dialogue at me. So I feel like. A calling out his mumble mouth way of talking is kind of okay, you know. Was it meant to be? Yeah. Was 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 he overplaying? No, this is how he is. In every okay, role he wasn't. He wasn't overplaying. Stuff. I'm an alcoholic. No, no, yeah. It sounds like he has him. a. He's sucking on a rag. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of the time. Um, yeah. So the real life thing that's more terrifying than anything in this story is what a hand of glory is. So Hand of Glory in old-timey mysticism and witchcraft and stuff was a mummified hand of a murderer. Right. That was cut off of the dead body and burned as a candle from uh, fat rendered into the candle holder. The hand was I, I, I think shit show listeners already knew that. Uh, listener, please. We don't have more than hello, one. Hello, James. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's way more terrifying than anything in this. Yeah, and it was a, it was the short story that said, or maybe it was just the hand of a lady called Glory, which is not a thing in myth. That's just a thing in Stephen King's fervored cocaine brain. In the the short story, he was like, in the Eastern European village called Hand of... Belladonna was called Hand of Glory, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, Stephen King, be more lazy. <laughs> well, what this, this movie, Mangler, reminded me of real-life horror, and probably obvious thing is the teenagers and children who worked in woolen mills during the Industrial Revolution in England. And uh, if anybody wants to read about that, uh, good luck. See, yeah, there's the, there's the guts of a real stomach-churning horror yeah, film yeah. about, like, is those Woodle Mills? And, like, you, you do... I mean, it's a little bit late for this political commentary, but, like, yeah, the power of England industrialism is is powered by sacrificing children to these machines, you know? But even... You wouldn't even mm. have to go that grand, though. I mean, it could, it could just be a similar story. To, it could be an isolated mill someplace where they have to sacrifice children and... Yeah, but it would be really bleak if 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 the star if your if your ensemble cast were mostly children in this in, in a movie like that. That would be a 
oh man, that would be, there's, there's a doctor, I forget his name, but I read some of his stuff, and he was a doctor who tried to help the children working in the mills, and you can read some of the stuff he wrote about, it's, it's stomach churning. But are we going to do the final push on this yes. third sandwich? This triple decker. I just decker. to say that's how, never mind. The moment's gone. I was going to make a joke about how that's how Jeff Bezos got all his power, was sacrificing children. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's listening. Uh, yeah, sorry, guys. Sorry about this. We got to screen our <laughs> movies, Lagan. <laughs> it's okay. I can, I can be the master of schlock. It's fine. Microwave Massacre should, no one, no one should ever think about that ever again. Refrigerator is semi-passable, but I would also put that in the put that out to sea. And uh, Mangler, I'd say watch with your friends. It's enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's got some schlock. It's got some good visual effects. Yeah. Um, my final push would be: it's interesting because of the three movies, the two that are memorable are Microwave Massacre and The Mangler, whereas Refrigerator is just very so-so. It's fine, but it's. It's to me. It just feels beige, and although Microwave Massacre is a hideous film, that's part of the reason it's memorable. It's so ridiculous and crass, and so maybe sometimes movies like that are kind of. It's memorable, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. With regard to the Mangler, Mangler is the one that comes out on top here for me, and I think for most people here. But it's got some very interesting ideas, as I've said, and the fact that it's got sort of horror icons of the late 20th century. It's story by Stephen King, directed by Tob Hooper. It's got Robert England. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie. Like, it's a solid 6 out of 10, and it's enjoyable. And um, I like the way I came across it in a video store. And, um, yeah, go watch The Mangler if you like schlocky horror. I mostly agree with you guys. Like, the refrigerator one... Whatever, skip it. Um, microwave massacre should just be like erased from human history. And the mangler is like it's fine. It's not that great. Like the premise is really fucking stupid. But the movie itself, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I think it's it's funny when I watched the uh, the mangler. As I said, it made me feel like I think I want to go and watch graveyard shift now because it's the better version of that idea yeah it makes you want to watch better horror movies (laughs) so i would say because uh microwave massacre is certainly the more memorable and you can complain about it but as for watching it with your friends i don't know man you see like we've watched other garbage films where we've kind of laughed and joked around but like watching microwave massacre the mood was just like death and like every so often I'd look over to Brian with his face in his hands <laughs> and like I'd be like this is just no one is having a you know some garbage movies you have fun it's memorable but it's like memorable in the way like watching a Lars von Trier movie is it's like this is just painful and um, the other one, the fridge. I would, I would even say you could have fun watching that with your friends. Maybe try to get a better copy than we watched. But I think we had fun watching that one as a group. And then the Mangler, yet again, watch that with with your friends. But that one, you could almost have fun watching that by yourself. I would say because it's got Robert England. If you're into the horror, if you're into horror, um, like really into it, then it's definitely one you could enjoy watching by yourself. But as a casual horror fan, I think The Mangler is a watch with friends film. I guess that's 
I guess that's all toasted then. Hey, bring it back. God damn it. All right. Well, I'm going to stop recording. <laughs>